programs and welcome to a new episode of the Awesome Friday Podcast, uh, the only podcast on the entire internet where we review two new things every week. Uh, we have that format very specifically and we release our show, Awesome Friday, every Sunday because it's a state of mind and not a place in time. My name is Matthew and joining me this week is Rachel because Simon's on holiday. Hi, Rachel. How are you today? I'm good, Matthew and Simon. I hope you're enjoying your vacation. Um, thank you for having me on again. I mean, it's always a pleasure. You're basically our like regular <laughs> sub in now. Like, yeah, yeah. At some at some point, I'm going to go on holiday, and and you're going to have to take my place, and you'll finally get to speak to Simon. Finally, yeah. I still have not spoken to Simon before. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird. I've literally never spoken to him before. I don't even really know what he looks like. I don't think I know what he looks like. Well, I mean, we do have a radio show, so that's not that yeah. out of the ordinary. <laughs> but I just feel like, at this point, I should at least know what he looks No, I don't. I have no idea who he is. He's just the Simon, the guy. He is, like you said, for, for the Friday, putting on a Sunday. He's just, he's like a feeling. He's just something. <laughs> he's he's something, he's an apparition to me at this moment. Well, maybe we'll we'll have to have you on when we're, maybe we'll have you on when we're both on one time. Yeah. Maybe, maybe at the <laughs> end of the year or something, and we can all like, talk. There you go. Yeah. Uh, wow, my train of thought just derailed. That's amazing. <laughs> We've been talking prior to recording for like half an hour, and I feel like I'm almost <laughs> out of things to say. Uh, but one thing we were talking about, which I want to say on the air too, is uh, first off, congratulations on your recent appointment as editor of film at Exclaim.ca. Oh, thank you so much. And also your recent byline on the Globe and Mail. That is uh, pretty amazing. Thank you. Yeah, that was very cool. Um, I got an email yesterday, like after dinner, I saw it and it was like, um, oh, I really liked your your art, your review in the Globe. And I was like, holy shit, is it in the paper? And so I ran out and went to buy copies. Um, it is very difficult to buy newspapers these days for anybody looking for newspapers. It is not easy. And I talked to a grocery store and they said that Globe and Mail delivers one paper to them a day. Like they have one copy that they get every day. And at 8 p.m. it was still there for me to buy. So that's kind of sad. That's very, I mean, the Globe is meant to be yeah. kind of like the paper of, you're one of the papers of record in Canada. So that's yep. a little bit upsetting. Now, to be fair, I do live in like a suburb outside of Toronto. So I would assume if I were in like downtown Toronto, probably it would be a little bit different. But still, it's a little bit sad. Like I, I remember as a kid, like there were stacks of papers on racks and by the end of the day it was like near impossible to find one but change of the times i guess it's just how it goes i mean we are recording and publishing this show on the internet i can exactly. only imagine <laughs> i can only imagine they're doing the same <laughs> exactly and you and i function primarily on the internet in terms of things that we write and everything like that it's all online so there you go that's true which even is, though which is why the print stuff is so exciting though like when i do get something in print i'm like holy shit it's in print like that's really fun i know it's like a real like physical thing exactly. that, that can't be like archived offline by a spiteful editor or a change in management <laughs> or it's true yeah it was very very true somebody was talking to me because like um you know, Marvel now, they do the like little images for their socials and they like grab quotes from people's reviews and put them on there. Um, one of this is just say, to say, like one of my quotes from the Black Panther, my Black Panther review got put onto like a JPEG thing on Marvel. And I was like, somebody flagged it up for me. Actually, it was Shabazz from the movie podcast. Shout out to Shabazz. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I was like, oh, that's neat. Like that, I think that's the first time it's happened to me. And but then I was talking to a friend of mine. And she was like, did you save the image? And I was like, no, I didn't save the image. I was like, should I have saved the image? But then I was saying, if it was on like a movie poster, that would be like really flipping cool. Like if they do that, then I would try to actually find the movie poster. So I was like, everything else feels very fleeting. If it's on like a trailer, if it's on like a, a, one of those social things. But it's nice when it's like an actual tangible thing that you can hold on to and have as long as you don't burn it you have it forever. <laughs> it's true i've been i've had a few pull quotes but they've all been like instagram stories and social posts exactly uh, yeah. that kind of Which stuff is cool. they, uh, they're just like, like that's cool too like i i think that that's a really neat thing to have happen and like it's it's just a new way that the studios are marketing things so it is a part of the whole economy of of marketing movies now but just not the same as if you were on like a movie poster that'd be pretty sick yeah you could buy that poster and then like frame that poster and be like look that's my name on a poster because i said something nice about this movie that a marketing person appreciated you know um (laughs) so i don't know if you when you were a kid like you could go to like movie theaters and ask them for posters right like you could be like oh this movie's going out of theater can i have the poster and most of the time they're like yeah sure take it they don't care um, I went to go try to get a poster for nine days last year because I really liked that movie. And so I was like, oh, cool. I'll get this movie poster. And I went to the varsity in Toronto and I asked them if I could get the poster. And it was like a really young teenager, dude. And he was just like, you can't do that. I was like, no, 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 but you can. I was like, it should be a thing. And he was like, no, he's like, we, we don't we don't allow that. And then I did the the thing of being like can I talk to your manager and is your manager like a little bit older like about my age because if they are they'll understand what I'm talking about then I talked to the manager who was about my age and he was like yeah no they don't let us do that anymore like uh, I don't know why it's like something from the studios they don't like them just giving away posters because I guess you can buy the poster now and so they're like they don't want us to give them away um so they can monetize yeah exactly yeah and they were like so they just throw them away at the end and or like I guess employees can still take them but I was like, oh, that's kind of bullshit. And he was like, yeah, I remember doing that when I was a kid. Like, you tried to get the posters. And I was like, yeah. And then the little child who was working there was just like, wow, you could really do that before? I was like, it's a different time, kid. It was a different time. Like, yeah. Wow. When I was a teenager, this is a true story. When I was a teenager, part of part of my, like, formative period as a movie nerd was that I actually got a job in the tiny tiny town i grew up in i got a job at the local movie theater nice. i was a projectionist Very so i had to like assemble the prints and then i had to watch the movies because i had to make mm-hmm. sure i had done it correctly <laughs> um because like if it if i if i messed it up basically i'd have to go fix it and we'd have to give a bunch of refunds anyway but uh, true story at my dad's house who he still lives in said tiny town there is a huge box that is just full of 90s movie posters because I took them I took them all <laughs> every time there was a poster they didn't want anymore I'm like oh, I'll take that sure so like I'm not saying all of them are good posters but there is a box full of posters at my dad's that's house. still really sweet though like there's probably posters in there that you can't get otherwise like probably like forgotten movies that like nobody really cares about anymore but you've yeah. got to, you should get those framed and like yeah I keep meaning to do that actually but there's just so many uh and like my because I worked there from basically when I was 16 till I was about like 19 if Mm -hmm. I remember correctly um so like my my bedroom in my dad's house they're not there anymore because he's since like 
done some renovations here to take them all down but like my bedroom was like just all movie posters and then uh occasionally i'd be like i need to put up a new movie poster and then i would just like put it up over top of the one that was already there (laughs) yeah that's such a boy teenager move oh yeah i was definitely one of those (laughs) you should go see it and then let me know what posters you have so that you can give me some if, I, <laughs> if there's any that I'm interested in. I had, I remember I had the Scream 2 poster and I had, what was that Nick Cage? It was like a snuff film, something millimeter. Oh, eight millimeter. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't sure if it was eight. Yeah, it was eight millimeter. I had that poster too for some weird reason. Um, I just had them. So I had those two movie posters and I got those from my local theater because they were just done with it i saw them taking them down and i was like "Ooh, can i have that and i remember i was being quite young for that nicholas cage one and they were just like are you sure and i go yeah <laughs> i had no idea what the movie was i just thought this is cool it's a movie poster and so i took it um yeah now i realize it's slightly inappropriate that that was up in my room but it's okay it's fine i mean there are worse things there's Probably, there's way worse movies was... you could have posters yeah, for in your room it's true it's true but um yeah i would love it if you could go and see and take like an inventory of what you have you could sell them. I'm just saying. I know we were talking before we started recording about like everybody monetizing shit, but like, you know. That's true. I'm sure I probably could. I don't remember everything I have, but I do know that I had a pretty great poster of Sean Connery as Sir August de Winter in the Avengers movie. (laughs) That's kind of cool. That's pretty cool, actually. Uh... The one that I would actually, interestingly, the one that I like, that sticks out in my mind that I'm like, if I could have one poster from that whole box... It would actually be, I had like the original teaser poster for Mars Attacks, which is just like a field of the aliens. But that one was on my wall, like near a window and it got super faded. Whatever. Yeah, like, but that's the, that's that, that's the one I would want it, I think. That's pretty sweet. I'm going to keep bugging you about this to go and do it. (laughs) Because while you sell them to other people, obviously, I would just, I'll pay you for the shipping. Just send them off to me. I'll take it. I'll take it off your hands. Yeah, well, this will require getting home to my hometown, but that is in the books for the new year, so. Yay. Okay, I will remind you then, when you go in to to visit your family, I'll be like, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember those posters we were talking about? (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, we got wall space. We got wall space around here, too. I can definitely put some up. Even if you don't, you just frame them and then just have them ready to go. So, like, whenever you can, like, trade them out, if you're feeling... I don't know. You know how some people, they, they have like certain movies they watch during summer, spring, or like the different seasons and stuff like that? You could do the same thing. You could rotate your posters according true. to your mood. It's a lot of work, and I probably would never do it, but you know, maybe if it's something that interests you. I mean, it seems like a really good idea that I would yeah. <laughs> end up not doing. <laughs> yeah. I would actually say if somebody were to do that, I'd be like, you got a lot of time on your hands, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Hey. I mean, maybe maybe one day when, when the Canadian housing crisis is over, if it ever <laughs> ends, and I have a like a, a big enough place that I have an office to myself, like a room for just my stuff, then I'll do that. There but that, that will require the housing crisis to end in a way that isn't an economic apocalypse, so somehow don't see that happening unfortunately yeah it's depressing unfortunately especially over there in vancouver i can't imagine can't imagine it working out too well although anywhere i say vancouver really anywhere in the world i don't think it's gonna end out very well for any of us yeah i mean toronto's 
Toronto's like the second worst place for that in Canada and only by like a hair's breadth. Like it's Yeah. I I would say probably Toronto, Vancouver, and even I put Montreal in there too. I don't think any anywhere is very good. Even Halifax, like like relatively speaking, Halifax's prices went up too. And it's not I mean, not as expensive as the other cities, but compared to what they were paying before, it's a bit much. But that's just, but literally it's like Ireland, New Zealand, like I, like everywhere, yeah. everywhere in the world right now. So it's, it's a, it's a, bad. it's a global problem. And that's yeah. the kind of thing that we like to talk about on the show is global. Yeah. It's problems. real peppy. It's real. It's real... Peppy. <laughs> you know, people come here to be like, let's listen to some movies, save some time off the real world. No. Yeah. I kind of feel bad. Cause you know, on the one hand, um, Yes. Uh, and like the last two weeks, all we've talked at length about the World Cup. So like, we're definitely good at staying on topic in this show. At least that's like, I wouldn't call it pop culture, but like it's entertainment, at least. Like it falls into the entertainment category. That's um, true. So at least there's that. And I am, I'm, I'm missing a match to record this right now. So that's, uh, that's fine though. They're an evil entity. I can miss one match, even though apparently Morocco beat Portugal. That's amazing. Anyway, I did see that on Twitter. I haven't been following the World Cup. I just think who who's who's doing well, and that's about all I know. I know Brazil got knocked out, which was that that's very interesting. That was a great match, actually. Yeah. That was a great great match. And you know, we have a hard out uh, for recording today because you have to go, <laughs> I've I've been saying that it's because you have to go record your podcast. Yeah, I know. Uh, at a certain time, but actually, it's because I have an England versus France match to watch. That's so, fair. Yeah. What time are they? What time are they playing? Uh, at my time, eleven a.m. So. Oh, we two, should two get a move on time. then. Yes, yeah. we should get a move on then. Yeah. So uh, we let's move on to talking about movies, as we are wont to do on this our movie show. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about two films, one a little bit indie and one not so much. Uh, and we're going to talk about the indie one first, uh, even though it's the one I think we both liked better. Would that be fair mm-hmm. to say? Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, Elevation Pictures' new release, which was a darling of, I believe, Sundance all the way back at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And it started making the festival rounds uh, called Something in the Dirt. Uh, and Rachel, why don't you give us the rundown on something in the dirt? Because I watched this movie last night and I am not sure how to describe it. So I'm going to defer it to you. I watched it this morning and I'm not sure how to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> um, okay. So it's a team up. I should also add that it was playing in Toronto after dark festival here, the, the horror mm-hmm. festival. Um, and it did very well. I believe that it won like the main audience award as well. I could be wrong about that, but I know it, it did pick up um, some like awards situation at the Toronto After Dark Festival. So I know that it's been very well loved by horror people, indie people, not horror, sorry, I shouldn't say horror, like sci-fi-y kind of people. Um, but anyways, it is a creation between Justin Benson and Aaron Warhead. And this is their fifth movie together, I believe. Um, directing it together and they also star in it and it's basically about two guys who one has just moved into an apartment building in LA and the other is there uh, who is already living there and helping him get set up basically some weird shit starts to happen um, and they can't really explain it it was an ashtray starts levitating um, at when a door gets opened uh, and it's creating this like kind of crystally effect around the thing and and it 
the movie basically kind of continues on with that where just a lot of odd supernatural situations are happening not just within their apartment but they notice it around the building around the community in general in LA and they being um it being like 2021 or whatever whenever they film this um decide we should probably document this because um Netflix will pay big money to do this so it's also a movie about the making of a documentary and you get to see clips of said documentary as well so there's a bit of like meta stuff in there there's a bit of like commentary about um kind of the falsity almost of how these things are getting created and um what not like something like this probably would have belonged on like a and e like a really <laughs> long time ago like something like that um but it's interesting like i i can't say i loved the movie like i don't know if it's for me but i can i can see where there is a very clear audience for this kind of movie because the humor is um is very tongue-in-cheek like i said it's very meta and yeah and I, I believe benson and moorhead are very like well respected and like they have a very very strong fan base themselves so mm-hmm. i get that like this is very directed towards their fan base which i think do you um and uh, for me i actually thought this was an interesting i wouldn't say it's like a, it's the same it's not the same at all but like it's an interesting companion to a movie like nope which kind of deals with something similar ish with uh like something weird is happening we should record this and we're going to make like a ton of money from it. Um, But obviously Nope has a much larger budget than something in the dirt did. So, and, and, and Nope deals with different things as well. And, um, but yeah, and much, much clear, much clearer what actually is going on by the end of the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and that's the other thing, like this movie kind of ends on, it's, it's very ambiguous and it's just kind of got that, um, I get I, like it's up for interpretation for for people to discuss, I suppose, and I, I guess that's the, kind of the point of it. Um, but yeah, what do you think of the movie? I I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot actually. I don't know if I would say same as you. I've been debating. So I watched it last night. I've been debating basically ever since, like how I might rate this movie. Mm. Um, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was funny. I think it's best exemplified. I watched it with my wife. And I think the way she described it at the end might actually be the best, which is that she's like, you know, not a lot happened in that movie and it didn't really make sense, but I just want to keep hanging out with those two guys. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Which is pretty much exactly it. Cause the whole movie is just the two of them. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of like talking head interviews, but it's really just the two of them hanging out in an apartment talking. And they're often not even really talking about the phenomenon that they're trying to observe. They're just shooting the shit. Yeah. And they are so like they obviously have such like as as actors and I'm they seem to be their creative partners, so I they have such like charisma and chemistry together that's just fun to sort of watch them uh and listen to them talk about the BS that they're talking about through the whole movie. Uh and then you know, there's a point in the third act where they eventually the relationship sours and they become like really like pointedly mean to one another as well. Mm-hmm. And that is quite compelling. Um, and it's, yeah, it's also just kind of fun to watch one of these things where, you know, usually you watch a movie like this and it's like two regular people find the phenomenon and they, they, <laughs> they investigate and they follow up and they find some, you know, secret of the universe. And this is, I feel maybe realistic is the wrong word, but it's more realistic because these guys are basically idiots 
and they <laughs> never figure it out because that's what would happen to 99% of us, right? Like we'd be yeah. like, why is, why do things made of quartz float in my apartment? And then they just never, like all their own shit gets in the way. Mm-hmm. One of them belongs to a doomsday cult, it turns out. The other one <laughs> is just an idiot and they just never go, like never figure it out. And like, it might be unsatisfying if you're like, we're looking for the answers to these things that are going on. But it's also like, yeah, most people, if most people I know, if they were in that situation, would either be like, I've seen this movie, I am moving, or would do exactly this and never figure it out. So it's, it just, it feels very real. They remind me of like, kind of like the two people who, Especially um, Justin Benson's character, whose name is John, I believe. John and Levi. Levi is, is Aaron Moorhead. And yeah. um, they just remind me of, like, the people who they read, like, one conspiracy book. Or they watched, probably more accurate today would be, you watched a YouTube video um, about some random conspiracy. And ever since then everything to you like it connects every every little random coincidence that you see in the world connects and it's not i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because i actually think it's kind of creative to be like oh shit like because i think that there is more in the world that connects than we maybe we realize but um they take it to a level of like philosophical you know historical importance and they like you said they're idiots and they clearly don't know what they're talking about (laughs) um and so in that sense it is very funny to see two people who believe they have this like raging intellect um but clearly do not and you know my my favorite thing was him um john the character john getting dressed up in like a really haphazardly made hazard suit <laughs> like, oh, yeah. one of, like one of those things and then just taking it off when like and then john's just or sorry levi's just wandering around in his like little tank top and shorts still like just not giving a shit um yeah there's there's a lot of funny bits in this movie and like again like i think the humor is very very pointed at a particular group of people and yeah i, I like it's i don't i just don't think it's a movie for me but i think generally speaking it it is a good movie though i think it's a good movie and um i did like it and i i think what your wife said is very very apt and that I would have spent more time with them. Like it would have been cool. Just they're the kind of people, do you know, Gogglebox in um, the UK? Yes. Yeah. I feel like they would be perfect people to just have <laughs> on and you just hear their commentary on like random shit. I could listen to that all day. Yeah. And I think though, I mean, they obviously work, they've obviously worked together a, a, for yeah. a long time. Like they have a, a very good back and forth, a good sense of one another, but you're right. The, the sense of humor really appealed to me and it's always it's the kind of humor where like there's a great moment where so one of them is going like much deeper into this conspiracy than the other yeah and he like says i can't remember what he says to, to lead into this but um yeah john is like i you know i read about this thing you know, on message boards mm-hmm. and then levi's like are there message boards <laughs> for more than just anime and hiring contract killers these days i don't <laughs> just, like, <laughs> yeah like it's just like a it's like a, a perfect joke aimed directly at me you know it's a lot of the little like side things they yeah. say i found like there's another great one later in the movie where they they end up taking they call in like an engineer to to like assess the building and then they take the quartz that's floating and they give it to a person who they call a chemist and like <laughs> As an aside, the engineer is like, by the way, her PhD is in music history, not chemistry. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> that made me laugh. I, I thought that was really funny. They're like, you know, like, yeah. she's not actually that. But then the whole time that you see that science, quote unquote, scientists, like they do act so serious. Like they really know what they're talking about kind of thing. So I did yeah. enjoy that. I also think that this kind of thing, this movie is very pointed at a specific generation of people because they're not like, I, I don't know if younger groups really know what like a message board was at the time or like those like kind of cheesy A&E even history channel kind of documentaries that they used to put on back in the day, which I guess Netflix has now filled that hole. Um, but well, yeah, the history like, channel is like, still making them too, to be, to be yeah, fair. That's but, true. Yeah. but I mean, who has cable now, Matthew? No one has. Cable. Come on. Yeah, um, we have cable and I hate every second of it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we don't use it. We, we have exactly. it. If you don't use we pay it, for the I whole guess. package just to get the food network. Like it's. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think it's, there's a good amount of, nostalgic references in there as well which i think maybe maybe that's why it worked so well for you um yeah i mean I i'm definitely old basically is what i did i'm i'm choosing to hear this as you you pointed out i'm in the same age group <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't, you're not that much older than me though so i don't think that that's i don't know really... i'm uh, for the record i am two years older than the older one of Benson and Moorhead. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm in their age group. I don't know how old they are. Uh, they are, they were born in 83 and 87, respectively. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're more or less in the same age group, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I liked, I, I like the chemistry between them, I think, is what makes it work. But obviously, like, like you've said it, you know, they've worked together quite a few times now. So it makes sense that they're, chemistry at what sells it um are you are you familiar with their work like have you seen their other stuff um really uh i haven't really seen any of their movies that i can remember i definitely haven't seen the endless uh or synchronic uh i'm pretty oh, sure synchronic i'm That's pretty sure born in anthony mackie right uh yes I yes. did watch that. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, like that. two, three years ago now? Yeah. Um, yeah I'm pretty sure I saw Spring. I've definitely seen VHS. They had a segment in VHS. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing that most people are going to be familiar with for them are that well, this year they directed two episodes of that Netflix show, Archive 81, and they mm -hmm. and they directed two episodes, uh, two, good, two of the better episodes, I think, of Moon Knight. Oh. Uh, so, like, they directed a Marvel thing and they, I think yeah. they're on deck to direct some of Loki's second season as well. So like they, you know, they're, they're in the Disney machine. They're going to be out there. And I think that's good. I mean, they're, they clearly have a, they have like a strong voice. They're, they work, they work really well together. They seem to know all the things they need to know to be very successful. And I hope that they are. And I think this movie's like, as a pandemic produced movie, this is one of the more interesting and fun ones that I've seen. There's been lots of like, we're stuck inside, let's make a movie together type things. And this one at least made me, I have better feelings about this one than I've had about a lot of the other ones. What's yeah. your, what's your, this is a tangent to this, but kind of related. What's your favorite pandemic-esque movie where clearly they were shooting in the middle of like some sort of lockdown? Oh, that's a great question. There's been so many now. I know there's a lot. <laughs> quite a, I'll say so. Um, as you're thinking, I recently watched Sanctuary, um, and that was very clearly a pandemic movie. I really enjoyed that one. 
the menu, I think you could consider that to be some sort of lockdown-ish because it's very contained. Um, and I really liked Malcolm and Marie, despite what a lot of people hated that movie, but I actually really enjoyed it. I still haven't seen the menu and it makes me very upset to admit that. <laughs> You'll get there. Um, You'll get there. I'll get there. It's a su- it sucks. You know, we, we have a, there's an immunocompromised person in my household. So going to the theater is still a bit uh, dodgy. It's going to be out on VOD soon though. I'm sure. I mean, all these movies are getting flipped to digital very quickly. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think interestingly, even though, I kind of like the pandemic movies that at least like tangentially deal with there having been a pandemic. <laughs> okay, interesting. Um, so like something like that Canadian film Ashgrove. Oh which yeah, was yeah, very clearly, yeah. very clearly like made in the middle of a pandemic about a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is probably up there for me. Uh, why am I blanking on everything? It's because there's been so much that was produced during there's the pandemic. There's been a lot. You know? it, it really has been a lot. And like, I, I agree though. I really liked Ashgrove. I think that's a great movie. That actually got a theatrical screening in Toronto last week, which was very cool. Yeah. Uh, it got one. In, I think it was at the VIF Center as well. It was either the VIF Center here or International Village. I can't remember which, but it did have like a week's worth of showings here. That's awesome. I, I really enjoyed that movie. And they're yeah. coming out with a documentary about the making of the movie. Um, that's going to be next year. They're going to come out with it. Oh, that's cool. Because that would be an interesting one just because of the way it was made and uh, the time in which it was made. Yeah, it was really neat. And I like the people involved. Like Jonas Chernick and Amanda Bruegel are very um, they're very funny and like very affable people. And same with Jeremy Lalonde as well. Like they're all, they're all very kind of cool Canadian people. Yeah, I got to talk to uh, Jonas Chernick when that movie came out at the Canadian nice. Film Festival. He's uh, had a great year, by the way. I just want to point people to Jonas Chernick. He's had an amazing year. I think he did this. He did um, End of Sex, which came out towards the end of the year. Um, he had a spot in a movie called Boy City, um, mm-hmm. which is about boy bands. And um, I loved it because that's right up my street for nostalgia purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's had a great year though. I think Jonas Chernick's had everyone's. I, I'm always like everyone's talking Colin Farrell having a great year. I'm like Jonas Chernick is killing it this year. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. That's. I mean, yeah, he did. He's the he's the Canadian Colin Farrell. Let's go. Let's <laughs> He'd probably love to hear that he's the Canadian Colin Farrell. <laughs> That's amazing. I'll have to send him an email and be like, "We talked about you on our show." <laughs> <laughs> uh what else was good from the pandemic um did you ever see i think i think it was produced during the pandemic um like there's an indie american movie called all sorts did you ever see this movie i didn't i heard about it though um Um, that's one of the ones i think the most interesting ones through the pandemic for me are the ones that are like weird indie things and yeah all All sorts is about uh, a workplace where they have like underground file sorting competitions <laughs> that's really funny actually which is i would love to participate in that i'm great at admin i'm yeah. very i love organizing stuff it's cool. uh it gets it gets to be like it's it's de- delightfully absurd would be the way that i would put it it like imagine like any movie about an underground sports ring but make it like speed filing <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny actually i'm gonna check that out that's really funny yeah 
There's yeah. been a few great ones though, and I like that because I think there was a time that people weren't sure, like, do we acknowledge it? Do we not? And it obviously drove the cost up a lot. I was um, I was at the Whistler Festival and they were doing the variety top ten Canadians to look out for something, and Bilal Bag was there talking about sort of, and they were saying how basically half of their production costs had to go towards COVID, um, mm-hmm. stuff like testing, masking whatever the hell else they had to do but it would it, like it's taken a lot of money out of people's budgets production budgets which i find very very fascinating so it makes sense that there's a lot of movies like this one like something in the dirt which is just the two of them primarily in this one single room and it's like you can see them they're filming a lot of it themselves like because that's the clips that they use in the movie so it's quite an ingenious way of putting down your co- i mean it's not great i suppose for actors and crew because you're saying you have to diminish the number of people on sets but like for the time being um or at least during that time i think that that was like a, a very smart movie to make um that mm. would have been easier for them to do than something bigger like synchronic which i didn't actually realize they did that one that's interesting i can kind of see that that's like a time traveling movie as well yeah and, uh, you know, something like this where I don't want to say that all of the effects were DIY, but, like, they're fairly basic. Kind of DIY. You know, kind of DIY, yeah. Yes. So, But I like yeah. that, though. Like, I brought up Nope before, and, like, Nope is obviously, like, a massive spectacle thing with a lot of money that was put towards it, and um, which is obviously good. Like, Jordan Peele deserves um, all the money in the world. But, yeah, it's really interesting kind of comparing them and seeing what you could do but also seeing what you can do on a micro budget i love micro budget movies but i like seeing how creative people can get with especially if it's a sci-fi micro budget because those are pretty fascinating to see what they can do there's another one there was a canadian movie that came out i want to say a year ago called between between waves i think that's what it was called yes Um, i remember that movie i did not connect with it but i appreciate whatever you're about to say because i thought it was super interesting in a way that i i just didn't it didn't i'm making vague hand gestures because i don't know exactly how to say this but like (laughs) it didn't it didn't work for me um no that's fair i like i can see how it doesn't i really like that movie though and i just i found it really fascinating and part of the reason i found it fascinating was because it was on a tighter budget and to see seeing sci-fi on small budgets is very very interesting horror as well actually horror is a good one to do on a micro budget because you can do some pretty cool stuff um dramas whatever i mean that's easy that's easy to do on a micro budget saying someone who has never made a movie before (laughs) (laughs) simple obviously yeah well i mean that reminds me of i don't know what the budget was but it obviously wasn't very high but um Anything for Jackson would be another good example of what we're talking mm-hmm. about, I think. Yeah. Which is a film made on like not a ton of money with a bunch of really great Canadian character mm-hmm. actors, uh, and made by people who have been making Hallmark Christmas movies, and I, I guess just got fed up with that and decided to make an outright horror movie, uh, which I sort of adore. That was actually one of my favorite movies the year it came out. <laughs> what did that come out? That was year before last, I believe. Like oh, late so twenty, I think right, I saw it. Yeah. Like I saw it at Blood in the Snow twenty twenty. If I remember correctly, oh, wow. so like right in the thick of, right in the thick of it, yeah. All the fun <laughs> stuff. All the fun stuff. Yeah. Good. So how many how many stars would you give something in the dirt? Um, can you remind me? It's out of five, right? It is, and no halfsies. No halfsies. That I did remember. Uh, I'm gonna give it a solid three. I think it's a solid three out of five. 
uh, yeah, I can respect them for what they're doing. Again, it was just kind of not exactly for me, but like I did enjoy it and I like the two of them together and seeing them kind of hang out and stuff like that. I love what your wife said. Actually, I'm going to, if I ever have to talk about this movie again, I'm going to steal that from her. Say that it was mine. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not actually sure she listens to the podcast regularly, so she won't know. <laughs> And, you know, it's not that she doesn't want to support me. It's that, like, I don't shut up about this stuff when we're not recording. So <laughs> she doesn't need to listen to it. Listen, I barely listen to I I am on a podcast and I don't listen to it. So, yeah. hey. It's well, I don't, I, don't, I don't listen to my own. I don't like the sound of my own voice. So that's. No. But I will yeah. say, I, I, I very, I won't lie. I haven't listened to the one that you and Dakota have done um, last week. My bad. Oh. I'll get to it. I'll get to it eventually. One day I'll listen to it. But we, I all, we all have a backlog. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I think I similarly I I enjoyed the movie. I I I'm 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 tempted to give it four. Wow. Okay. But I, I think it's actually a three. I think it's I think it's the kind of thing. If we did have half stars, I would give it three and a half. So it's a three. But, but you don't. So you. Can't. But we don't. So it's a three. Um, I'm gonna say on exclaim. Somebody did review it during uh. During Toronto After Dark, Andres Guzman, and he loved it. Um, I be- I want to say he gave it a solid eight. I think he gave it an eight mm-hmm. out of ten, obviously. Um, but yeah, I know that. Like again, like I know that there's someone people who who it's this movie has a definite fan base, and um, I think they got that fan base very nicely. Yes, eight out of ten, Andres Guzman on Exclaim. He did that. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean. Again, like I, I'm still pretty split. Like I'm, I'm tempted to just be like, no, let's give it four. Let's give it four to five, because, like, it's it's overly convoluted, <laughs> <laughs> but purposefully so. Like that's yeah, part I was of the gonna point. say it's part of it. Yeah. Um, it's really funny. I really enjoyed. Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just give it four. St- I'm gonna give it four stars. I'm gonna give it four. See what cool critics do because they want to be like edgy. Is if you're caught between two, you always go the lower route. You go, no, I'm gonna go lower. Yeah, that's always been. That's actually kind of been my policy. That like you know, because you're a cool critic. That's because I'm yeah, cool critic. Yeah, I try to resist the word critic actually, but um, I know I hate saying that, but I think I have to call myself that now. (laughs) I used to not be like, no, I'm not. I just write about movies, and they're like, that's called a film critic. I'm like, yeah, it's it's true. It's true. But I think I think at the end of the day, yeah, I think the amount that I have thought about this movie in the like twelve hours since I watched it, uh means that it must be a four. Like it's yeah, it's a four. It's a four. Of that, any any movie I think that you're continuing to think about after it's done, I think that deserves at minimum a four. Uh and that's an interesting segue into our second film of the day. <laughs> because I watched this movie several days ago and i've been thinking about it a lot but not in great terms <laughs> so uh let's let's move on now that we've talked about something in the dirt to the latest uh will smith i don't know how to describe this movie it seems like a character like it's supposed to be a character drama but it's shot and written like an action thriller called emancipation which is the story apparently uh, they tell me that it's a true story, but I know it's a, a real person. I'm not really clear on if the story itself is true. 
Do you know the answer to this? I don't, but they do say it's a true story. So I, I wonder it's like if it's a situation of it's a bunch of stories that they have read through their research and they kind of put them together into one man's story. Yeah, that's maybe what sounds more right. I think the actual line on the poster is like inspired by true events, maybe. So there's like a legal reason. So like if I'm not going to get into it here, but like there's a like there's it's a very particular thing that they have to if it based on a true story, based on true events, inspired by a true like there's a whole thing put yeah. into that. So actually, those I, yeah, it's it's not one of those that I would be like, oh, it's an actual. I don't know if this actually happened to peter like the whipped peter was a real man obviously and there's that picture that they do show in the movie is real um, yeah but yeah in terms of the actual escape my guess is it's it's an amalgamation of a bunch of people's stories yeah it does i'm just reading it now to say loosely based so that means effectively made <laughs> up as far as i can tell uh so will smith plays um uh, a slave in the year 1850 and he is in the South and the civil war is happening and uh, they're horribly, horribly abused people because they're slaves in the South when that was going on. And the, the word comes to the camp they're working at that Lincoln has freed the slaves. And at the first good opportunity, basically Will Smith kills a white man and runs away. And the rest of the movie is him like existing in this swamp, trying to get to Lincoln's army so he can be a free man. And that's kind of the whole movie. Uh, except for the fact that it has like three endings and um, it's just two hours of brutality. That's, that's the whole thing. I don't know. I, I did not enjoy this movie. I, thought that will smith was entirely committed to the role i think that i thought that ben foster plays the antagonist who's hunting will smith's peter and i think ben foster is always pretty good uh, and he's gotten really good at playing like smarmy evil people uh which is a little bit concerning I was going to say to the point that you kind of question it <laughs> yeah i mean i get it's probably hopefully it's just I mean, he can't be all bad. He was with Robin Wright for a long time. But like... Um, oh, shit. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Um, but like, so he's definitely had some out. like some like typecasting as this kind of yeah. character who's like a terrible person. And I mean, he has that look to him too. No offense to him. But he does have that look that you could... He could be evil. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, he, can, he can either be like very pretty or very evil there's no middle ground with him um when is he pretty i was thinking what movie is he pretty in oh he was in the x-men movies as a pretty young mutant he was an x-men who was he in x-men he was angel in x-men oh my god three three like the first trilogy not the new trilogy oh wow didn't even think about that. Wow, I didn't realize Ben Foster was in that. that yeah, he's been around for. Ago, uh, yeah, wow, geez. He's been around for a long time. He also yeah. played Lance Armstrong in that Lance Armstrong movie, The Program. That I do remember. Yeah, that I do remember. But that yeah. could be considered evil if you really want to. It's sort of both. Really want to sort of both. Yeah. yeah. 
Anyway, in Emancipation, Will Smith's Peter is running through the swamp, and Ben Foster is hunting him with two other dudes and the several dogs. And it is it is a two hour and ten minute movie or so, mm-hmm. and it is two hours and ten minutes of just fucking brutality. <laughs> like it doesn't, and I get that that's kind of the point, but it doesn't work. I don't know. What did you think about this movie? I think so. Antoine Fuqua directed it, who's very well known for, um, you know, more action stuff. Like that's kind of his forte. So I was actually really curious how this movie was going to turn out, just because I thought I really like Antoine Fuqua as a director. I like the stuff that he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I feel like in the past he's always been very good about mixing very very actiony stuff. But like there is like a point to it. There is something behind it that's a bit more um human or emotional or whatever you want to call it uh but this one i found i don't know i like it's it's tough i always find these kinds of movies a bit difficult to criticize because i'm like it's about something obviously very serious and it's about a man that should be remembered um you know beyond i think that picture as well like i feel like he should be remembered for for a lot of things like you know for any courage and and that kind of thing that him and a lot of other people like him that had to go through but as a film to be honest i found it just kind of boring like i didn't find it even though it it like you said it's all action it's all brutality but there was never like the brutality didn't make me tense like it didn't make me be like oh my god what's gonna happen next like it was i was just kind of like yeah like okay we're just kind of going through the the motions almost which is a terrible thing to say about a movie like this but it just didn't seem to have any grounding to it or like any heart to it that made you it's like you were just watching something versus being very immersed into it and like you know beyond knowing that we should obviously care about this man's journey um i don't feel like you have any you don't forge any actual connection with him and i think that that's what's missing to it because you you're just watching something happen to another person um and it feels very superficial in that sense yeah it's very um it lacks emotionality Mm -hmm. yeah um which something like i don't know you're not wrong that like it's difficult to criticize movies like this that deal with real stories of real Mm -hmm. people and real things that happened but also the movie does as a film need to be engaging and it's kind of not. It's, which is so strange though, isn't it? Because you would think a movie. Okay. So if you take the people that involve you, Antoine Fuqua, who's, who is a great director, mm-hmm. or he's a good director. Um, you have Will Smith who, you know, he's, he's good. Like he can, he can lead a movie. I don't think anybody can deny that Will Smith can, can lead a movie. I'm pretty sure Will Smith still holds the record for most consecutive number one box office openings yeah. ever like he's he went on he is a charismatic care. dude yeah he is and so it's kind of interesting that when you put that together and then you put in a story that should be incredibly tense like these men who are and women who are who are being enslaved but they could be freed because that is the mandate of the president however they have to get out of their current situation so they need to escape and then you have somebody like ben foster who is a great actor um being the chaser like being being the what they call like a slave catcher that should be a really compelling 
thing to see on both like an action space, but also on the emotional side. It should be a very interesting movie. But for some reason, I don't, and I can't really put my finger on what it is exactly that makes it kind of dull. Like it just doesn't really, it just doesn't really work somehow. And I, and I don't like it, it's, it's one of those that on paper, it should have been really, really good. And I was interested in it and I'm not particularly interested in everything Will Smith does um post like men in black and that kind of era but like um you know or post probably ali actually probably ali was probably i I was interested in that but um this was one that i was interested in and it was kind of disappointing that it just fell very very flat because it shouldn't have i don't think it should have i mean i think we already like you say you can't put your finger on why but i think you already did and that like there is no there's no connection to peter there's no like audience connection to peter in the film and there should be and i think as to why that is i mean for the first part of the movie before before they get wind the slaves are free peter is actually he's like very concerned with just surviving Mm -hmm. right like he's very much like just keep your head down it's just work like just do the work just do like just make the like do you know, love God, God will love you, do the work, is pretty much his yeah. whole mantra. And then as soon as he hears that the slaves have been freed, he's like, shit, we gotta get out of here. <laughs> but there's no, like, I feel like in the, if in the first bit he, if the character had at any point been like, man, I wish I was free. <laughs> you know, like, to put it in the most basic terms, yeah, I feel yeah. like maybe I'd have been like, okay, now he gets his chance, right? Like, it's a, it's a bit of like a, a switch that flips at that moment and it doesn't really work. And I feel like one thing, so this, this is a story of like whipped Peter or Gordon or it's the, like the scourged black photo. It's a very famous photo. You can Google mm-hmm. it. Um, but toward the end of the movie, when he finally does get to be free and he gets to Lincoln's camp and um, they take the photo and the whole scene where they take the photo is treated with like uh, a real reverence, which in the context of that photo being real, like if that scene had been a short film, sure. But it doesn't really work to that point. Like there's no reason, it doesn't feel like there's any reason within the narrative for them to to, to treat it like, it's like he's the first slave that ever escaped the way they treat him, right? Like, yeah, even though that it... is almost certain, certainly not the case, right? It's also a situation, it comes out of nowhere in the sense that I don't know if it was meant to be a a bit of a twist, which is weird to say, like, why would a slave movie have, like, a twist to it? Like, it doesn't need a twist. But I feel like that reveal was supposed to be, but but it's weird because we all knew it, though. Like, I think they used it in the marketing that this was the man that they were talking about. Um, But it's just interesting, like, throughout the whole movie, they don't really, not that I want to see this, but, like, you never see how he got all of those you know you do see him getting whipped at times but you know the amount that he did um the the amount that the scars show clearly shows that this was happening for a very very extended period of time and in a very very brutal way but you don't like we don't know that that's him up until that moment when they say oh and part of me was kind of like how did they know that he had like were they did they search him like were they looking at his body or something like that's kind of weird 
Because I'm like, we didn't know as an audience that he had those scars, that he had those marks. No, um, even if there was a scene when he arrived where they were like, let's get him some fresh clothes. And then as he changes, yeah, they were all like, yeah. oh, shit. Like, but they just kind of knew. And I was like, that's weird. How do you know these things? Like, yeah. Or like I say, if there was something at the beginning, because like, at the beginning of the movie, again, he's very like, just keep your head down, man. Like, just keep your head down. Let's just like get through this. But if they'd shown any scenes of maybe him as like a younger man and being like whipped within an inch of his life, which yeah. is a weird thing to ask for in a movie. Like, yeah, as, I know. As a white dude, I'm just like, <laughs> I feel weird saying it out loud, but like, I feel like the end of the movie, yeah, like, and, and the middle of the movie, like, most of the movie needs a context for the character that it lacks. I would like. I don't like I don't even think we need to necessarily see it happen. Like you could do it off screen, but like I think to acknowledge that this either they show at some point how they knew that this man had a bunch of really horrendous scars on his back. You could do it that way. You don't necessarily even need to show it, but to the point that you're saying about um how at the beginning of the movie we never get a sense that other than the just the implicit of desire of every slave which was i wish i wasn't a slave like we don't really get that i think that they could have left it and a stronger script could have explored the idea of you know he was just telling himself that he was telling his family that he was telling other slaves that just as a way of survival of saying like just get through it because there's something more important than this like we need to live because i'm raising three kids or whatever i have a wife like you could there is a way to explore that side of it without saying him having to be like oh i wish i were free like i wish i did that like but it, and it's an interesting discussion that i'm sure a lot of i'm sure it did happen internally for a lot of people during that time which was like like but what they did was they give time to like they have a scene with ben foster and the other slave catchers they give time for their context of from as white people how they viewed slaves and say they gave them that space but they didn't give the space to smith and i mean the other actors i don't think any of them were of note really but like um they don't really give any moments to the slaves to talk about that conflicting feeling of you just need to do the work to survive but man doesn't this fucking suck like you know and and maybe you don't need to have that said but i think that there's like an interesting kind of I don't even call it a moral dilemma, but there's just an interesting, you know, discussion there to be had that could have been done amongst the slaves. Um, but I, instead, what they did was kind of give a more interesting story to the white folk in it, <laughs> which I was like, oh, we're doing this. That's cool. And that was interesting. I'm not saying don't don't include that, but I think that there was a way to do it, but it would have been within the script. Like, I think a stronger script could have. could have. Yeah, that. that's an interesting point that I, I, I thought about, but I. Yeah, the, like the movie definitely does give more context to Ben Foster's character than yeah. to Will Smith's. And that is a problem. And I'm not trying to say, with what I'm about to say, I'm not trying to call anyone a racist. But <laughs> this movie is, you know, obviously it's it's directed by Antoine Fuqua, who is a man of color. Uh, and it's starring Will Smith, who is a man of color, and it is produced by a white dude. It's also written by a white dude. And also written by a white dude. And I know that the producer of the film has gotten in a bunch of trouble this week or last week. 
uh, for showing up to the... Oh, yeah. He showed up to the premiere with, like, a copy of the photo. Yeah. And, like, yeah. had it out as, like, a trophy piece is sort yeah. of the criticism. And, like, it's one of those things where, like, you're like, yeah, dude, like, he's like, yeah, I think history is important. And I try to collect these photos. And when I die, they'll be donated. I'm like, why don't you just donate them now? Like, if they're that important, why are they in your private collection? That's just... That's such yeah. a, that's such a, that is the that is the whitest answer to this. Well, it's a very doing. it's a very colonial like colonialism answer, isn't it? Like why, yeah, why like, does the British Museum have all this stuff? Well, you know, it's yeah. one of those. Uh, it's one of those like you know the best hands are mine. Like I don't I don't yeah. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. But anyway, like yeah, so I, it's kind of it, right now that we're talking about it this way. It kind of reminds me of that movie that won Best Picture a few years ago. Where it feels like a movie that the intent is to make white people feel better about slavery, right? Yeah, yeah. Or like it's it's designed to make make people who look like me uh, feel better about the way we've treated people who don't look like me. And yeah, and I I will say like I mean Ben Foster's character they do get that he does get that moment, but it doesn't try to sympathize with him it just like you said it just gives more context to his character like for a character too like ben Fo one my my biggest complaint with ben foster's character is just like it aside from that moment he just kind of comes and goes like it's it's not really it's true it, but you i would have gotten any actor to do that and i was like you don't need ben foster for this like you could have done yeah anybody. i guess i guess what i'm saying is not so much like within the narrative but like within the, like our like the real world like it feels like yeah. a movie where like white people can be like look at this movie we made about black people yeah you know what i mean yeah like, and it, i like it feels yeah. a bit weird to me and i yeah. don't i don't like it i will one interesting kind of subplot to this whole not to the movie but like just generally speaking is the fact that will smith has very purposely throughout his career not taken on roles that really dealt in slavery um like very famously he said he he turned down quentin tarantino to play django um and like his whole thing has always been he has a gq profile but like um recently that came out but like he he's talked about this many times in the past where he's like he always just wanted to be a positive thing on screen like he didn't want to be the black man that always played the slave that always you know whatever he he wanted to show kind of the superhero side of it when there weren't really you know black panther wasn't really out yet a blade was out a long time ago but um it's not, not exactly the same not a superhero in in those contexts but like so that's that's will smith's career has always been to be the independence day guy the men in black guy like that that's been his thing the wild wild west you know like the hero of, of the story mm -hmm. um and so it was interesting to see like he was not, I don't want to say finally, because like I don't think he ever had to do this if he didn't want to in his career. But the fact that he did decide to eventually do this film, um, and I think, I mean, without knowing the man, but like just kind of looking at his films, it's interesting to see that he's, you know, he's picked something that is doesn't. It shows the brutality of slavery, but it still shows the slave as the hero, which I do think is correct. But unfortunately, mm -hmm. you know, there is this kind of odd bit like you like you're talking about the point of um making white people maybe feel a little bit more comfortable watching a slave movie maybe mm -hmm. that's what it is i don't know but um it's a bit but it's also in my opinion kind of in keeping with will smith's career because he has done a very very good job of appeasing 
white folks and continuing to be quote-unquote allowed to be a black lead actor for a very very long time when back then it was what denzel and him and maybe a bit of morgan freeman yeah pretty much i'm sure i'm missing some other people but like not very many so he he's done that a lot throughout his career in um very successfully i would say but yeah i don't know i that 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 aspect for me was really interesting and another reason why i was interested in this movie was because i thought oh will smith's doing a movie about slavery like he doesn't normally do movies like this Um, so i was curious to see what he would do with it and i think his performance was fine he was he was fine his accent was a bit odd like it kind of came and went like you said that to me it it comes and goes at times yeah um i mean yeah his accent he's clearly I will say that, like, of the th- the things that I did like about this movie, I would say his performance is actually one of them. Like, he's clearly Agreed. all in. Yeah, like, he's, he's clearly good. all in on the performance and trying to bring as much to Peter as he can with the material that he is given uh, just, to do it with. It's just, like, it's just not... The rest of the movie doesn't really cohere around him. And, like, it's a shame, too, because, like, I don't want to spoiled the whole ending of the film but when he does become free the first thing they do is basically press him into service in the union army and it like does add there's a really interesting discussion there about like Mm -hmm. he's also just being used by northern white people at that point and Mm -hmm. it's like and that would continue on in american history it's like i mean you could even argue today but like in the vietnam war it was very famously done that or infamously done that um, black men were used purposely on the front line to get them out of the way first and then you could send in the white troops so like yeah. again very interesting points that are being made but just maybe not being flushed yeah, out it, or dialed in as well as they could have been yeah and honestly i think that by the time that that happens in the movie it's you're just sort of like oh god because it's yeah. like like it's just like again with like a stronger script and more like character context like it just never, it never feels like, I don't know what I'm trying to say this, but like I said before, it never feel in the beginning, it never really feels like Peter, maybe just, I think the point they're trying to make is that he doesn't believe he'll ever be free, but it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. he ever wants to be free. And then when he is free, they're like, join the army, do this, go into battle for us. Like, really? Like, you can't, there's no scene where he's like, I have to do this now. <laughs> like, it's, it's. You know what? I don't. I don't know. I don't have the context. I am not qualified to speak about much of this. I like, will admit I, that. But like, I get like, there's no point at which he's like, yeah. I'm free, and now I'm in, in the army like that. There's no yeah. point at which, and I get like, there's a the the film is trying to argue that like he's now he's like, oh, I have a chance to fight back against my oppressors, but it never really besides surface level engages with the idea that he's still being oppressed. I think, you know, and that's a, that's a really interesting conversation. Very interesting. And I think the thing is the script is almost relying more on an audience to say, like, you know, what happens later, like, you know, kind of more historically speaking, which I don't know if is always correct to do. Cause I think that for a movie like this, I think that they, characters like peter peter representing you know in this case all of the enslaved men and women um like to give them a bit of a voice to just have that those moments to like because like you said it's a very very interesting conversation to have especially like 
him thinking he would never be free so what was the point in fighting but then he gets to fight and it actually works at one point oh but now you're being put into military and that's a whole other can of worms and they just never dive into it like i i mean we're we're just talking rounds and outs now but like yeah. um but yeah i i do think it was it, there's there's really interesting conversations to be had and it's just a, a script that just doesn't service any of those points that they raise or the, that we're raising it for the script yeah i mean it's almost like um it's almost like the film presupposes that the audience knows the whole story of the photograph yeah yeah right um and i just don't think that's i mean maybe like i'm mm-hmm. i was aware that that photograph existed Mm-hmm. Right, I'm sure, and I'm sure that maybe it is, maybe it's more culturally important in America, the country that it is a direct thing from. But like, I don't think that the audience knows the whole story of the photo. At least not everybody. And I feel like the movie treats me like I should, and I don't. Yeah, and I still don't know it afterwards. Like, like unless you kind of go look it up yourself. Like, but if you're just looking, and I guess you know, did they need it to be Peter? It could have been any other slave like you know they could have just not really made it about him specifically maybe that's the hang-up is because we know that it's based off of someone who was real and who had this you know very horrific picture um that has kind of stood the test of time and but was that necessary did that need to be him when we're not really diving into his particular story mm-hmm. and i don't know what why that is maybe they just don't know what his story is maybe maybe that's kind of it too i don't know but um it does seem like either address it if you're going to use the man as the character or just put another name to it and not have that be the thing because it did it did feel like it was supposed to be like a reveal plot twist it's peter and i don't know if a movie like this is supposed to be plot twist like it's not like an m night Shyamalan movie yeah yeah, well, and we haven't even talked about the fact that the whole thing is shot in the saturated <laughs> color in a way that also just doesn't really work. It's uh... I get like it's one of those like I get what you're trying to do with this. I understand the point you're trying to make by making it really look really super super bleak. Oh, and but also just... like it's not quite black and white. Yeah, it's not yeah. really black and white, is it? It's it's yeah. like because you can and see not... the greens and and neither is the story. Ooh, like Ooh, there's a connection, but like, that. but also it just made shit hard to see. Like <laughs> if it had been oh, actual <laughs> black, if it had been actual black and white, there would have been more contrast, and in a yeah. lot of those swamp scenes, it would have been easier to watch. It was incredibly grayscale. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's... <clears throat> that like I again, it was one of those that I'm like, I see what you're doing with this, but you know whatever yeah. like it, i think when you can point to the, the the filmmaker and be like i understand the point you're trying to make here you know you could have done it in color you could have done it in black and white i think it would have been fine i don't know if you needed this a weird gray green yeah it feels like the point we're trying to make after this like half hour of talking is that <laughs> the the movie is just a little bit surface level yeah like it doesn't it doesn't go to any depth in any way on any particular topic. Yeah. And And it's unfortunate because it's an important story that I know that there's plenty of movies out there that talk about slavery and and what that was and and not even movies like you can go and just read about it yourself and there's plenty of stuff online um to educate yourself about it but yeah it just it feels it feels to me like a really big missed opportunity on something that mm-hmm. is important and you have some talented people behind it 
Um, but it just doesn't work. Yeah. So how many how many how many stars for you? God. I'm gonna say two. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give it one each for Smith and Foster. <laughs> I think I'm out of two. I, I debate with a one, but that feels very harsh because I don't think the movie's that bad. Like I don't like I don't think it's a bad movie necessarily. I just think it's just not a good movie. If that makes sense. Oh, I'm that totally with, makes sense. Like I'm it's go with two. Go it's with definitely two. it's definitely a film that exists and that it's you can definitely watch yeah. on. And Apple you know TV what? Plus or whatever, and like it's, yeah, it's on Apple. If if people find like if people can take something from it, and if somebody watches it, and like then then it's kind of done its job, right? Like if for some reason there's somebody out there who is not aware of that picture, um, and this is the first time that it, that picture is being presented to them, then great, like that's great. Like if if that has then it's it's done what it was meant to do, maybe, but certainly didn't give Will Smith the uh, revival that I don't know if he was hoping for or if he thought that that was going to happen, but he will not be at the Oscars this year. Well, he won't be at the Oscars for 10 years, so... Can he still go, even if he? No, he's 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 banned from attending for ten years. Oh, is he actually banned from attending? I thought he was, his membership was just revoked. No, no, years. he's he's banned from attending the ceremony for 10 years. <gasps> so, well, even if... And even this does feel a bit Oscar-baity, like it is like it we're... Is like we are going for the award statues here, but like, even if it was good enough that he would make get it, he wouldn't be allowed to show up and accept. He would have satellite to send, in, have to send Jada or something. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> but you know what's funny is like you talk about the Oscar Beatty thing, and sorry, I know that we can put this movie to rest now, but like, when you look at Will Smith's career, like up until what movie did he win for? Jesus, I can't. Uh, even think King of King Richard, he won for King Richard. Right, right, okay. <laughs> wow, I clearly don't really remember that movie very that was, well. It was only a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, but what I was going to say is, like, Will Smith went on, he went on a tear, like we were saying, in the late 90s, early 2000s, of just knocking it out of the park with blockbusters, and he was so good at that. And then he went into, I think after Ali, just Oscar bait movie after Oscar bait movie. And this movie fits perfectly well into that phase of his career mm-hmm. as just pure Oscar bait. And I don't know when it was, I believe it was filmed. Like they started filming it before um, the, the whole thing at the Oscars this year happened. Yeah. I definitely, um, I don't know this exactly off the top of my head, but I'm, I, it's definitely like, there's enough post-production here that it was definitely a year ago or more. Yeah. So it seems to me like it kind of makes sense that this movie was here because he never, like he obviously has really wanted an Oscar, um, like very much so. Like ever, so many movies he's done that is very clear that that's has been his goal, and then of course he got it and fucked it up spectacularly. Yeah. But you know, but the fact that this movie came out, you know, in the time, like it kind of makes sense to me that this is a Will Smith movie because this is exactly the type of Oscar bait movie I kind of expect from him. Yeah, yeah. It filmed it filmed last year before before the Oscars. Okay. Uh, and right, it's actually yeah, so this is actually one of the the notable one because this is the one um, I totally forgot about this, even though I read about it like a week ago. I forgot about it until just now. This is the one where um, they were gonna film in Georgia, and then oh. they passed that Election Integrity Act, and they moved. The, they were like, "We're not shooting here anymore." Like oh, this, this totally undemocratic. We're not. We can't shoot here and support this totally undemocratic act 
so they moved uh, filming to Louisiana. Oh, wow. So, it, oh, okay. Because, like, the whole thing was getting to Bat- Baton Rouge, so. Yeah. Was it not? I wonder if originally it wasn't meant to be Baton Rouge then. Uh, I think, I mean, historically speaking, it was, yeah, it was Baton Rouge, but like. Was it? Oh, the, but the journey maybe would have been a bit longer, you think? Like, would they would they have set the movie in Georgia or they're just using Georgia for. Like, no, no, just just like the same way that all the Marvel movies film in Georgia, right? They, uh, right. like, they're just a filming location, but they, they apparently spent like 10 or $15 million to move the entire production move it to from Georgia to uh, New Orleans. Interesting. Um, in, in protest of that completely undemocratic i forgot i forgot about that yeah oh that's interesting yeah i don't know i like will smith it doesn't his film career is very interesting to me he has a very eclectic filmography and what's interesting is that like he started out so strong too like i don't know if you've ever seen it but six degrees of separation which came out in 1993 Mm -hmm. uh is a great film and he is great in it so um, when you say start out, I just think of like first season of Fresh Prince of Bel Air, where he was not great. He was not a good actor, and he worked to his credit. Will Smith worked very, very hard to get to the level of acting he's at now because he started. He was just a rapper that got a TV show with NBC. Like that's how he started. And yeah, nineteen ninety. Yeah, and I was watching an interview with uh, Tatiana Ali, and she was saying like he was so bad. Like they were all like, "God, this guy is so bad at acting." Um, and you can see him like mumbling other people's lines because that was the way that he could do it. Like he was just mouthing along to other people. Um, but yeah, he's worked really, really hard to get to where he's at. In the nineties, he had some great movies. I loved Enemy of the State. Remember that movie? Yeah. That's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, I really like that movie. Yeah. But- we could we could we could have a long talk about Will Smith because his career is so interesting. But yeah, it is phenomenal. His career it's fascinating to me. It's it's interesting because he started out with to me it's interesting because he started out with a with um it wasn't his first film role but it was such a strong performance from a guy who like you said was very widely regarded as not being a very good actor. Yeah, and then right after that it was Bad Boys, Independence Day, Men in Black, ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven. So like he like he did all of the blockbusters and then yeah. only really came back to um like you know Oscar acting later on. So it's it's an interesting trajectory. But anyway, Very we're good. we're running way over time talking about Will, Will Smith <laughs> here, but so yeah. Emancipation, it's on Apple TV Plus now, uh as of the time you're gonna be hearing this. Uh it'll be how it will have been out. So if you wanna watch it, go ahead. Um, I can't stop you, but, <laughs> uh, and something in the dirt, I believe is available on demand in basically every territory now as well. So, uh, you should definitely watch at least one of those two movies. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, we're looking forward to having you join us again next week as well. But in the meantime, where can people find you? Um, thank you for having me as always. Uh, you can find me at, you can go to rachelkh.com. That's all my stuff is on there. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at underscore Rachel KH. Yeah. And obviously search for her byline at the Globe and Mail, which is incredible <laughs> and exclaim and that shelf. And, uh, is there anywhere else? So that, those are the three, right? Uh, POV magazine. I write for them pretty often. POV magazine. Yeah. You're just all over the place. It's very impressive. I try. I try. Not enough, apparently, but, like, I try. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, thank you to everyone who is listening for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, if you're new here, amazing. We hope you stick around. If you're not new, thank you for sticking around. Um, all of these things we've been talking about will be linked in the show notes. Uh, if you've liked what you've heard, uh, please consider, you know, on your podcasting platform of choice, uh, smash that like button. Give us a five-star review. Um, tell your friends. Um and if you'd like to support us a little more directly, we do have a Patreon and a Kofi, and that's all, again, in the show notes. We record this year in Vancouver on the unceded lands of the Fusquium and Tsleil-Waututh and Squamish nations. Thank you so much for listening and for joining us on this awesome project.